So my name is Ali and I'm a compulsive overeater and uh, happy to be here. And uh, I wanna thank Mai for uh, inviting me to speak today. And uh, a nod to uh, everyone who's been uh, joining us for the first time or new to recovery. And a special hug and welcome to anyone who is hurting today or who is caught in the suffering of the shaming critical judgmental mind. One of the things I've discovered about coming to meetings is if I listen and if I let the consciousness of the 33 people who are here in this room reach my mind and my heart that more often than not, I leave the meeting an hour later feeling lighter and less consumed by the tyranny of the thinking mind. There's a lot of freedom in that. And there's a lot of courage in showing up even when we're hurting. And a special thank you to those who are feeling light and who are feeling spacious and who are connected to a higher power and who feel the promises of the program calm mind and peace and gratitude, special welcome because it is your consciousness that somehow those of us who are hurting absorb. Because of the nature of the 12 steps, the consciousness of good trumps, exceeds, the consciousness of pain. At least that's the hope. I'll share a little bit about how I came into this program, but before I do that, I wanna take a glance back by exploring the pleasant, by, by exploring the present. And I'm going to read something that I wrote a couple of days ago. And what I wrote is 
36 years later, for those of you who are new to the program, don't know my story, I came in to this program August 1984, August 26, 1984 at 4.30 p.m. So that's, I believe, 36 years or somewhere in that range. And so what I wrote is the experience of 36 years looking back at the person who walked in at 4.30 p.m. And I did not know it, but this journey of the 12 steps is results in what it is that uh, I wrote, right? And so it's, it's, it's the 68-year-old looking back at the journey of the 33-year-old, right? And so, and it, and it really becomes then, in, in, in my experience, the journey of the 12 steps or the journey of recovery. And it does connect to our reading for today in a very deep way. And the notion that I uh, connect with is that the entire journey in which abstinence becomes as the reading today said, the most important. Because if, as a compulsive overreader, once food takes over my life, nothing else matters. My world becomes very small. My bandwidth for receiving insight and wisdom are severed. And this journey that I think I'm on, I believe I'm on, I know I'm on, becomes severed. And so everything in recovery, I believe, and in the doctor's opinion, it points that out. It says it very specifically. But the journey is moving from mind to the heart. It's the journey from the mind to the heart. That is the journey. The, and we know that because we often say at meetings, I woke up and my committee, which is the thinking, oppressive, harsh mind, was already awake and planning my day and my attitude. So we know that the problem centers in the mind. But our journey is not to dwell in the mind, but to move towards the heart. And that's the whole journey. And it's not a journey uh, that happens overnight, obviously. So this is what I wrote. One of the, the three pillars to recovery. And the big book points it out very specifically. The three pillars 
are honestly, honesty, uh, willingness, and open-mindedness. If we have those, if we have the willingness, if we have an open mind to receive information beyond the limited scope of our own thinking and beliefs, and if we're honest enough to take step one, then a lot of the miracle happens. So open-mindedness becomes a central part of our recovery. And here I wrote, open your mind, open your mind, but to really see, open your heart, allow it to flutter. Do not die and leave this earthly realm without having taken a ride on the heart train. Start today, right now, this moment. Find your way from the amusement park and the simulacra of the mind's delusions and enter the realm of grace. You seek purpose, let go of mind and let the heart Light, light up. So everything we do, everything we do, I didn't know it then, I do know it today. Everything we do in the context of the program, the principles, the showing up to meetings, the readings, the sponsorship, the speaking, Everything we do is one more effort in the journey of getting out of the head into the heart. We may not see it that way as we're practicing it, as I never, I, as I didn't early on. I didn't understand that doing service, for instance, is a journey into my heart space. I saw it as a principle of the program. I saw it as a way of becoming less self-centered. I saw it as teaching me unconditional, what unconditional action on behalf of another human being would look like. I saw that sponsorship somehow got me out of self, but it took a while to understand that all of those are heart practices, the practices of opening up the possibility of um, helping another human being get through the day without suffering, for example. And I know that because I know how much I suffer as a result of my thinking mind. A, what I call the amusement park, the simulacra. So how do we get there? We get there through what we're doing right now. Showing up at meetings, listening, even 
or when we don't want to. You know, when we were meeting in person, sometimes we wouldn't show up to meetings because who the hell wants to drive in the rain? Who wants to drive? I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to shower. I don't want to, you know, you, we've all been there. I've been there. It turns out that the mind can manufacture so many delusions and amusement thinking that so often we don't even show up to a Zoom meeting in the next room. So it has nothing to do with rain. It has nothing to do with parking, getting dressed. It has nothing to do with showering. It's the mind that uh, when severed from the heart, glorifies itself and justifies itself. And then when it does, when it does exactly what it told us to do, it spends the next hour, two hours, day, berating us for not having done it, shaming us, berating us, why didn't you, on and on and on. So somehow this program then is an effort to get a second opinion on what we do, what we say, what we think. Of course, that's the heart. And that's where our higher power resides. So it's the journey into the heart and the journey into finding faith and trust and confidence in this higher power is what this whole thing is about. And uh, so we do, we do, we, we show up, we, we do, we, we, we practice repetition over and over again, we show up at meetings, no matter what our attitude, what our feelings, we show up when we sponsor, we show up with literature, we show up by saying yes to life. The picture you see behind me almost like the road less traveled. This picture was taken in uh, Northern Spain at the Camino de Santiago where my wife, daughter, and I hiked from Saria to the Compostela in Santiago. Not last year, but the year in 2019. And uh, so many of the pieces of the journey is in the forest. And uh, it's so beautiful and peaceful. And so one of the things that uh, I know and learn is if I say yes to life, it requires that I let go of the no of the mind. 
five minutes. Thank you, Becky. So my sponsor taught me, I've been with my current sponsor for 35 years now, Bob L. <clears throat> he taught me something extraordinarily useful. And he said to me, learn to say yes to life. What I've discovered over the years is the soul, you know, uh, so often we ask ourselves, what, who am I, what am I, where am I going, what should I be doing? And I found that that's not a very helpful question. What is more helpful and more interesting and more imaginative and more spiritual is to say yes to the inclinations that seem to come not from the head, but for, from a inner prompt, maybe we call it the soul, that seems to know where we want to be five years from now, but doesn't show us that whole picture. It's a prompting, it's an urging. And my sponsor taught me that when those urgings and promptings become frequent and loud to pay attention to it. And, um, and so you say yes to life. And I found that to be such beautiful wisdom. So it was in those promptings and urgings, usually for me, it came, it comes, it came right after, uh, it came as a result of abstinence. When there is a soul cry that wants to express itself but it doesn't have words for it. It just has promptings, urgings, inclinations. It's, it's not particularly skillful in language. It's more skillful in in subtlety. And um, and then it requires getting the mind out of the way. And uh, this has been my journey. And it's in this program that I was able to finish a master's, a doctorate, get married, raise a beautiful child, daughter. Hike the Camino de Santiago hike the Inca Trail in Peru all the way to Machu Picchu, hike to the top of Half Dome in Yosemite, hike to the top of Mount Whitney, highest peak in the contiguous United States. It affords so many possibilities but all of it required 
acting out of the heart space rather than the head space. The head space always tried to tell me it's too hard. What if? There's so many reasons not to live life. So we come to this program for all of that. And it's not a skip, it's a trudge. The big book says we trudge the road of happy destiny. We expect, we expect it to be difficult. It's not a skip. But difficulty is just part of the human experience, which we didn't know how to handle as compulsible readers. Difficulty is not the problem. Our reactions to the difficulty has always been our problem. And our reaction is to reach for the food or to rage or to hide or to lie or to steal. And then to rationalize that what we did was quite necessary. It's a beautiful program. And uh, I'm blessed to be here with you. To have one more day to experiment and practice uh, this journey to heart. Thanks for letting me share.